You've been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement. Or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. Always here to help people discover, protect, and share true financial independence. That's why we exist at Genwell Financial Advisors, and it is why we put on the Get Ready for the Future show. Glad to have you along again today. My name is Scott Inman. And we have Tim Key uh, to my right today. No John, no Janet. They pulled you in off the bench. Well off the bench. Right next door. Uh, <laughs> Tim and I actually office together here in the West Little Rock office. The radio room or the uh, Get Ready for the Future show room is right here. And I'm talking like, you know, steps away. You had to go a long way to get behind the mic today. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, very convenient for us today. Well, it's good to have you. And I, I think as we look over these questions, as we get to it today, we've got four good questions, one about taxes, one about investments, a couple about retirement planning. And uh, Tim has a CPA in his background. So I think it's appropriate that we start with the taxation question. Uh, so we'll dive right in. The first question today is from Stephen in California. So how do you decide when it's time to switch from Roth 401k contributions to pre-tax 401k contributions or a combination of both. I'm single, 25, in the 24% bracket and live in a high tax state. Stephen, thanks very much. You know, I think when you when we and we discuss this quite frequently with our clients, the decision points here are tax rates and time. And we're going to kind of get to that in terms of helping Stephen make his decision. But I think it is important to point out here, Tim, I don't really think there is a wrong answer. There is a more financially advantageous answer based on what we know about Stephen's circumstances. But really, this comes down to, do you want uh, tax-free, more tax-free money in retirement? And we believe, generally speaking, that's the route to go, right? Right. There's a lot of different factors that's going to come into play here. But yeah, having that option of having tax-free money in retirement to go along with your Social Security and potentially a pension and things like that, it's going to be a huge advantage to have some tax-free money. And the Roth is one of the best ways to get there and also to be able to accumulate a substantial amount, especially if you get started early. Yeah, and, and Stephen is early. He's 25 and he's single in the 24% bracket and he lives in a high-tax state in California. We know that. So he asked if it's time, when, how to know when it's time to switch from the Roth 401k to pre-tax 401k. So we're going to assume that's what you're doing, Stephen, and I think you need to keep doing that. When, when, you're, when you're younger... And Stephen, you know, again, you are young, but I would even say people in their 40s could be considered younger here, right? Because when we say younger, we're talking about your time horizon uh, until retirement. So if you're not going to retire until 60, 65 years old and you've got 20 years, you're still younger. So for all the people 45 years old that want to feel younger, there you go. <laughs> so the point being here is if you get those dollars into a Roth 401k, they are going to be tax-free when they're withdrawn in retirement. And generally... Uh, at, when you're younger, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket than when you are in your highest earning years, more into your 50s and in those pre-retirement years. So if you're going to pay taxes now versus taxes later, doesn't it make sense to pay them when you're in probably a lower tax rate than you will be later in life? So for our, our pre-retiree clients, 
when you're in your 50s and you're generally in a higher tax bracket than you're going to be in retirement, it it's probably more advantageous to put those into pre-tax 401k contributions so that you can defer the taxation on them now and pay them pay it on them later when you are in a lower bracket. But that's 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 the general look, but you know with Stephen being in a high tax state too, Tim, I think it makes sense to ask Stephen, do you plan on living in that high tax state the rest of your life? That's exactly right. You know, if you move to a no tax state in retirement, then you know it changes a lot because then you could have those pre-tax dollars pulled out without taxes. I actually looked up the um, tax rates in California. The highest tax rate in California is 12.3%. Okay. And with him being in the 24% tax bracket for federal, right now he's in the 9.3% tax um, for the state of California. So he's, you know, he'd be saving 33.3% in taxes now if he went pre-tax. But again, at 25 years of age, really he's got 40 years for that money to grow, to be invested and that's another thing that we need to be careful of. We've seen clients come in with Roth IRAs and they're invested in um, investments that don't have a lot of growth opportunity. Mm. So when you've got 40 years and it is Roth, the advantage, as Scott mentioned earlier, is time. And so when we have that much time, we need to be more aggressive with our investments because we do want to be able to take advantage of that growth and be able to have those tax-free dollars in the largest amount of tax-free dollars that we can in retirement. So we're all about education on the Get Ready for the Future show. We do have a graphic for our video uh, audience that shows the 2024 tax brackets from IR, from the IRS website. So this is federal. So take the California part off the equation. Uh, doesn't uh, doesn't equate to anything from a state income tax level. But these are the new tax rates. So these will be on tax returns that are filed in 2025. You can see, and again, just for review, Tim, and I'll let you kind of do this since you're, you're, you're the CPA background, you know, this is not that if you fall into these ranges that that's what every dollar is taxed. So you can see it. I think, it, I think the way they break it down on this chart is good. It shows a certain amount of your tax, a certain amount of your income is going to be taxed at lower rates. And then when you cross over thresholds is when those rates go up. Right. So if you have a, you know, this is really taxable income. So yep. if you have a job that you're making, let's say $75,000, you've got contributions to your 401k. And if you're doing pre-tax, that's going to lower that $75,000. you have got insurance premiums. Then when you actually file your taxes, you have a standard deduction that you can take, which is going to lower your overall taxable income. So Really what these ranges are for is the taxable income, not the gross income that you're starting with with your with your job and so forth. So oftentimes when we're looking at you know looking at filling up a 12% tax bracket for a married couple, it goes up to $94,300, but you can really add another at least $30,000 on top of that for the standard deduction. And so someone could make 125,000 but still be in the top tax bracket of 12% for them. Yeah. So, so that definitely helps and and then when we actually get someone to retirement with the income that they're getting, we might consider some Roth conversions. And that's when we fill up those brackets and such so that we can go ahead and take those lower tax rates on that money and convert it and pay the lower tax rate, but then get it into a Roth so that it can then grow tax free um, for the rest of your time. Yeah. And that's another great uh, thing to talk about, too. When you look at those tax rates, let's say someone walking into their pre-retirement years is in the 24 percent federal tax bracket married filing jointly but when they roll into retirement they've got a plan to live on 
something that will probably barely crack the 12% bracket, right? So there's a big gap there in if you want to, as we say, fill up the tax bracket uh, by converting dollars uh, from traditional IRA to Roth IRA, that's a great time to do it when your income significantly drops at your retirement. And that's not something that people do a whole lot. We talk, we, we get asked about it a lot. We talk about it a lot. The reality is, I think, Tim, the reason people do hesitate on this is that you do have to have the cash on hand to pay the taxes because we're going to convert every dollar. The traditional IRA converts to a Roth IRA. If you've got $100,000, all $100,000 is converting. You're not going to take the tax, the taxes out of the investments. So you've got to have about potentially twenty grand, let's say, on hand to pay the taxes if you're going to convert $100,000. Exactly. And so that's why a lot of people want to maybe pass on that. But, um, and, you know, if you do have an early retirement of maybe early 60s and you've got 15 or 20 years, again, it goes back to the time that we have for that Roth to grow, then it may make sense to go ahead and try to find those other dollars to pay those taxes. One of the other things we have to remember is that, you know, we're right now living in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 tax yeah. rates. Yeah. And those are set to sunset at the end of 2025. So 2026, we actually revert back to the old tax rates unless something is done. And then we know how our government has printed so much money and gone into so much debt. Most of us believe that tax rates 10, 15 years from now will be higher than they are today. So it would probably benefit a lot of people to have some more Roth dollars to be able to pull that out tax-free in retirement, not to worry about those higher tax rates. I was watching a video the other day that was discussing tax rates in the future. And they said that obviously you don't think of that when you see that tax table up there, that your top tax bracket is 37%. We don't think about being in a low uh, taxation time in terms of historical uh, tax tables. But this video I was watching said that right after World War II in the 1950s during the Eisenhower administration, the top tax rate was 91%. Ouch. So 37 <laughs> doesn't sound so bad when you see 97. Now, nobody wants to pay 91 again, and I don't think we're headed there anytime soon. But to Tim's point, in the future, you could see tax, uh, tax rates higher than they are today. Stephen, thanks for that question. Hope we gave you some guidance on there. But being 25, I'd say keep going with the Roth for quite some time, uh, even though you live in that high-tax state. If you've got questions, call or text them to us at 501-381-5228. You can uh, leave a voicemail or just shoot us a text, or you can also send us an email, show at getreadyforthefuture.com. Next up, it's Christian from Little Rock. My wife and I are 20-plus years from retirement. We are close to where we hire a FA, financial advisor, all 250000 is in a 2045 target date fund. However, it has performed under S&P. Why or why not switch to S&P before hiring an FA? All right. Thanks, Christian, for the question. We'll talk a little bit about what that target date fund means uh, just for our general audience. He may know, but a target date fund, when you see that 2045, that's very typical of a target date fund. It is the uh, fastest growing and probably most popular now type of investment inside of someone's employer plan. So he's talking about his 401k here uh, when he's talking about it. The number or the year that is attached to the target date fund is intended to be a target retirement year. So in essence, with 20 plus years from retirement, makes sense, right? 2045 is about 20 years away. He's thinking I'm going to put it into the 2045 target date fund. 
it is probably at this point still mostly in equity, but if he leaves it in that fund, it is generally on a glide path to become more conservative or at least more exposed to fixed income as the retirement year draws closer. So obviously, Tim, even if he is probably mostly in equity in a 2045 target date fund, it is most likely he has some fixed income now. And S&P, I'm assuming he is talking about the S&P 500, is all equity. So when the market is up, I think it's pretty clear those target date funds are going to underperform. They're definitely going to lag behind the S&P 500 index. I mean, it's hard to keep up with the S&P 500 index directly through any type of mutual fund investment. But the target date funds, especially the 2045 fund, I I looked at where they currently are on the the equity to um, fixed income. And the current 2045 fund has 85% equities or stocks and 15% in bonds. And as a 45-year-old, I was there, I guess, nine years ago, um, I still think 15% in the bonds is probably too high at that point. Mm -hmm. So they're still in equities and it is a U.S. and international mix on that 85%, where if you're looking at just the S&P 500 index, that's the 500 largest U.S. companies. And so when you're trying to invest in the S&P, you're investing in large companies. They could either be growth or value, but you're missing out on a lot of other opportunities in the mid cap, the small cap, the international funds. Um, so you're you are giving up a lot of different sectors and different areas that you should be invested in. And so if when you're only invested in large companies, you're following what the large companies are doing. And I also thought it was interesting because last year we had what was called the Magnificent Seven. It was the seven largest companies in the S&P 500. And because the S&P 500, not every 500, not all 500 companies have the equal weight of, you know, how they perform moves the market. But the larger the company, the more it will actually move that index. And so last year, what they called the Magnificent Seven was Apple, Alphabet, which is Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta Platforms, which is Facebook, Tesla, and NVIDIA. Those seven companies returned on average about 111% in 2023. Crazy. So if you just invested in them, you had a wonderful year in 2023. Mm. But in the S&P 500, it was still up 24% because of those seven primarily driving the majority of that return. Yeah. I went back because it's like, if you could just invest in the S&P 500, what was it like 10 years ago? And only three of those seven companies were still in it mm. 10 years ago. Right. Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet. But we also had Exxon Mobil, Berkshire Hathaway, Johnson & Johnson, and Walmart. Mm. So in 10 years from now, what, what seven are gonna be leading that index? Because mm. it rotates. We got companies that are just getting started that may end up being there one day. Mm. And so investing in an index or investing in a portfolio, definitely a mutual fund or ETF portfolio of multiple stocks um, is the way to go. And not just in a target date fund. Those target date funds became popular probably 20 years ago when it made it simpler for 401k participants to kind of identify at least something that might get them to their retirement. Because otherwise, you might have to look at a high yield bond fund and, and think high yield, that's where I want to be and invest in that if you're a novice investor just getting started in your 401k. So the target date funds have made it simpler, but we don't want to be all in target date funds because definitely they're going to be too conservative 
when you get to retirement. Yeah, certainly part of your overall investment strategy might include some of the members of the S&P 500, but not all of it. I would say to the second part of Christian's questions on question on why or why not to switch to S&P before hiring a, a financial advisor, hire the financial advisor first, because here's the thing. You may not have a lot of choice in that 401k, but you have a lot of choice in your plan. And when you create your retirement plan, your destination is set and your financial advisor should be able to give you a map to arrive at your final destination of retirement. And that may really be a different investment strategy than just throwing it all into a target date fund or all into an S&P index fund. And again, there may not be a whole lot of other choices in your 401k. And if that money is not portable, in other words, if you're working at, a, at the job where your 401k currently is and you're uh, under 59 and a half, it is more, most likely there's no way that money can really be directly advised on uh, th- through the use of a financial advisor, but they can make recommendations. And we do that here all the time at GenWealth. Uh, we may manage a portion of someone's uh, overall investments but some of it still exists in their current employer plan. And we can make recommendations on that. Of course, ultimately, the employee or the client is the one that has to pull the trigger on making those trades. But we can help look at the options you have inside of your 401k and help you devise a diversified investment strategy that will help you meet your long-term financial goals. Yeah, and that really goes back to the plan because we can fit that 401k or 403b that you have through your employer into the plan and know exactly kind of what type of return are we going to need on that, so how does it need to be invested? Yep, and I'll say one final word on the S&P. Don't get obsessed with chasing that index. You know, that's the thing. We And we are guilty of it here, Tim, when we talk, you know, the S&P 500 is not the stock market, right? There are 6,000-plus there are U.S. stocks. There's 500 of them in the S&P 500. There's a lot of choice there that doesn't involve that index, but so much of the time is spent because it is a benchmark of calling the S&P 500 the market. It's not, uh, but I know that people do obsess over trying to weigh their performance uh, in comparison to the S&P 500. And the reality is that's not necessarily your investment strategy, especially as you get closer to retirement. The risk level of being all in 100% equities, which you would be if you were tracking against the S&P 500, is not the goal. So it's not the goal to outperform the S&P 500. This is our question of the week. Congratulations to Christian. Thanks for reaching out. We will send you, for being the question of the week, a free Get Ready for the Future show Tumblr. All you have to do is email us to show at getreadyforthefuture.com to claim it. Next up on the show, it's Lisa from Arkadelphia. Her question is, I'm 62 and see retirement on the horizon. I have $2 million in savings, but how can I figure out if I have saved enough to have the same lifestyle during retirement when I don't know exactly how long that will be. Great question, Lisa, and it is a very common one. Uh, regardless of what you've saved for retirement, that needs to be answered. Those questions need to be answered. Can I have the same lifestyle that I'm accustomed to having? That's something that she wants, and she doesn't know how long she's going to live. That's called longevity risk. It is certainly a risk that you have to prepare for, and retirement, as we say here all the time, Tim, is an income problem, not an asset problem. So, Many people listening on the show today may say, you just said she has $2 million in savings. She is good, right? That's, <laughs> that's going to be what people's mindset goes to. She may be good, but when, when the, the variables are, I want the same lifestyle and I don't know how long I'm going to live, we need to plan to make sure she is. Yeah, we do like to tell people during our meeting that if you could tell us your date of death, we could build the perfect plan for you. Right. 
that's where she's scared. She doesn't know how long she's going to live. Is it 10 years? Is it 20? Is it 30? Um, at 62, there's a good chance that she could live to 90. And what is her current lifestyle? That is going to answer a lot of if she's good or not. Mm-hmm. If someone is making 200,000 and they're blowing through 150,000 and, you know, it's going to be putting some stress on that because you don't want to stay at 150,000 every year in retirement. So you do have to have raises and you do have to have that money position to help you grow. And then what's the strategy for taking out social security? Is it taking it early, taking it later? I mean, those are other things that we can, we can look at. And there's a lot of different factors that go in. Um, everyone's a little bit different here. Um, it doesn't say, does it say if she's single or not? It does not. It does not. So, you know, is she married? I mean, that's going to be a big part of it. So being able to really look under the hood and have that conversation with you, Lisa, will be what we need to do to be able to determine, is that $2 million in savings going to be good enough? And is that in an IRA? Is it a 401k? Or is it sitting in a savings account somewhere or CDs? So a lot of that goes into it because of taxes and other things that come into play in retirement. Well, I think about, too, when you when you, when she asks, she wants the same lifestyle as she has in her pre-retirement years. A lot of people are real quick to say, I want my goal to be 100% of my current income when I retire and to, to maintain your lifestyle. It's not likely that you'll need all of that. Because if you think about where your current income is going, you're likely contributing to your 401k. So you're not likely to need that money anymore. There may be a lot of uh, debt service that goes away in retirement. Maybe you're going to pay off a mortgage or maybe you're going to pay off an auto loan or both. So to keep a lifestyle going, is it's very unlikely that you'll need 100% of current income. There are, if you go online and you Google it, there, there are a lot of people that will say, hey, you need somewhere between 75 and 80% of current income. But that's a vague number. You know, when it really comes down to it, we said it a minute ago, it's an income problem in retirement, not an asset problem. What I would recommend you do, Lisa, is you call us, sit down with one of our GenWealth advisors and do the math to define what your lifestyle income number is. And we break it down here at GenWealth into two pieces. You'll have your required income, which is the monthly bills that will still be there for you in retirement. If there's a mortgage, that's going to be a required income amount. Regardless if there's no debt or not, you're still going to have uh, things like food and gas and insurance and taxes that will have to be a required income number. And we want to make sure that those needs are met with guaranteed income. Yeah. And what we found out when working with a lot of people and working with them into retirement, they don't change their lifestyle very much from when they're working and into retirement. I mean, it's, if you're a natural saver, you're probably still going to want to save in retirement. If you're a natural spender, you're going to spend in the retirement, but it's not one of those things where a saver who accumulates maybe $2 million or $3 million is all of a sudden going to spend it all in retirement. That just normally doesn't happen. I guess it definitely could, but we do want to provide that plan and really give that person a license to spend. Let them know that they're going to be okay. Take that fear of running out of money out of it, even if they live a long, good life. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because we talk about all the time true financial independence, meaning you know you have assets that are going to provide income to you that will last for the rest of your life. But if you're still fearful about that, whether you have it or not, then you're not truly financially independent. You need to have a plan that shows you the amount of money that you can spend. And we talked about the required income. The next piece on top of that is the desired income. And that's where the investment strategy 
provides a monthly income to you in day one, and it grows that monthly income over time because we have to give you inflation-adjusted raises. Nobody would work at the same job for 25 years without getting a raise. You don't want to be in retirement for 25 years without getting a raise. We want to avoid living on a fixed income, as we say. And then to the longevity risk, we need a perpetual plan. That investment strategy and income plan needs to be uh, as long as it needs to be, right? There's never a date where you run out of money. But the other thing, too, that we have to plan for, and many advisors don't really plan in this way, Tim, because they're focused on investments, talk about health care costs, long-term care needs. Uh, do you have enough money to self-insure in the event of a long-term care event, or are you going to need to leverage an insurance company to make sure that that doesn't uh, basically deplete your assets? Yeah, again, the uh, the marriage situation and whether there's kids, things like that, um, come into play here as well. But healthcare costs, you know, it's going to be a big expense during retirement. Mm-hmm. Even if you have, you know, you you go on Medicare and you get a good supplement. I've heard good things about a lot of those that it covers most of the cost. But there are still out-of-pocket things that are going to come up. The premiums are going to continue to go up over time. And so the biggest need would be a long-term care expense, um, potentially having that taken care of either by a insurance policy um, if you don't have the assets, someone with $2 million, it's very possible you could carve off a part of that, set it aside, and kind of earmark that for long-term care needs and have that invested and available if that, um, if and when that time comes up. Lisa's 62. The thing I would tell Lisa, you're on the cusp. You're in the retirement red zone. Get a plan together. We can help you at GenWealth. Just go through the GenWealth Ready to Retire process with us. You can get that process started by calling 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. And if you're like Lisa, if you got you got just a few years or months away from retirement, you don't have an income plan, reach out to us and see, do you have enough to sustain the lifestyle you want and be truly financially independent? That was the final thoughts, Bell. And Tim, we'll start with you. Been a great show um, some great questions keep those coming i think a lot of it goes to you know retirement is not a cookie cutter one size fits all you need a plan i mean that's really what it comes down to and scott and i we work with all of our clients together here in the little rock office and if you're in little rock um, we'd love to be able to visit with you and create that plan for you so that we can get you to that financial independence my final thought is something that is also a piece of the retirement planning puzzle that we didn't even bring up today, and that's Social Security. We have a GenWealth Academy workshop coming up in March in Little Rock and Hot Springs. The one in Little Rock is on Social Security. The one in Hot Springs is on estate planning, I believe. You can visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash academy to learn more and sign up for an event in your area. Don't miss that opportunity because uh, we're going to have the Social Security is a key part of the puzzle, too. When you talk about the income planning, the income needs that you have, we talked about required income and, and you need to meet your required income needs with guaranteed income. So the right Social, social Security claiming strategy can be vital in maximizing your dollars. And we're going to talk about that uh, how to do that at that Social Security workshop coming up in March. So go online and sign up. Again, it's free to attend. And that is all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. We thank you for tuning in. If you have questions, 
That's what we're here for. We're answering them every day, every week on the Get Ready for the Future show. Just call, leave a voicemail, or text us 501-381-5228 or email show at getreadyforthefuture.com. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building towards financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.